Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. In turn to the book of Daniel chapter 3. Uh, started a series a couple weeks ago that's just kind of in line with the times here. And um, so uh, we're just going through kind of a biographical study of Daniel. Now, I'm going to kind of walk you through the story really quick. And if you were Sunday school graduate, anybody come through the Sunday school system, then you ought to know these. Okay, so uh, uh, at the beginning, Daniel is a young man, probably in his late teens, and he's a uh, a part of a royal family, so he's living in a palace. He's got his life made. He decides at a very early age that he's going to serve God. He's not going to wait until trouble and trial comes, but he's going to serve God. So he uh, commits himself to the Lord, and he's kind of living the dream. And then all of a sudden, man, in one night, the Babylonians invade uh, Jerusalem where he's living, uh, man, the temple is ransacked. Jerusalem's overrun with, you know, pagan soldiers. And they take Daniel and three of his friends. They put them probably in chains, put them on a caravan, take them 1,600 miles away from their home. They've come from a very conservative city to a very, you know, uh, very liberal city morally to Babylon. And they give them new names as they're trying to reshape their identity. They teach them new academics. They teach them trying to teach them a different culture. They set in front of them a different, you know, a different menu than what they've eaten before. And Daniel and his friends go, you know what, we're not, we're not going to do that. The next, the next chapter starts with Nebuchadnezzar's having a dream. And he says, hey, I'm looking for an answer to this dream. I don't want you to tell me just the interpretation of that dream. I want you to tell me what the dream was. And if you can't do it, there's a death penalty for all the royal family that are all the all the royal, I mean all of the uh, wise men. So Daniel is the only one that can tell what the dream is and interpret the dream. And you see the last part of chapter two, Nebuchadnezzar, he's on his face confessing God as Savior. And uh, or confessing, you know, his sovereignty. So that's kind of really quick, kind of a, a backstory of, of where we're at. So let's go to chapter 3 and let's look at this. Now, so fast forward, we're standing at an official dedication of a 90-foot idol. It might have been in the likeness of Nebuchadnezzar. It may not have been, but it was 90 feet high, made of gold, 9 feet wide. I mean, it's huge. And Nebuchadnezzar has given invitations, so this is a, an official kind of governmental ceremony. So let's read about that. Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, and set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He summoned the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the advisors, treasurers, and judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So he gives them this 
official invitation. This huge idol has been standing there. And this is kind of an official kind of thing. You know, maybe like the president, if he invited you to something. Now, there's a few things that we can learn before we just kind of walk through the story. There's a few things that we can learn about, uh, learn from Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you know, like he's got this idol and he's wanting people to worship. But we just saw in the previous chapter that he is on his face before God and he's, he's saying, man, he is the God, the revealer of mysteries. Daniel's God is now our God. And then fast forward a little bit and now you see, now you see him making an idol maybe to himself, you know, or, or some kind of likeness that he wants people to bow down to. So we just saw you know, this, this spiritual experience that he had. He just kind of had this experience with God. And now, man, look at him now. Now, let me just say something, you know, I want you to think about it. Powerful spiritual experiences, unfortunately, don't impact us for very long, okay? Like if you, like if you were younger when you went to youth camp, remember, and you're just like, okay, I'm, I'll never be the same. All right, or you go to a conference, you go to a seminar, you go to a revival, something happens in your life, and you're like, I will never be the same again. This is it. This is going to be, uh, this is going to be the life change. I'll never be the same. Have you ever had something like that? You ever thought something like that? You know, the night that I was called to preach was a, a very impactful night for me, and it's a, a night that I will never forget. You know, and I mean, I was, I mean, like for, I was on a cloud for like six weeks. But can I tell you that eventually the euphoria of every spiritual experience kind of dies down, okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with having powerful spiritual experiences that kind of take us to the mountaintop. But here's the problem, like with Nehemiah, he had this experience. And then, man, when he bottomed out, he went way down, okay? I mean, he just really, man, he was in... He was in troublesome territory on, on these, powerful, these powerful swings. So with every spiritual experience that you have, that you go, man, that was impactful to my life. I just want you to know eventually the glory of that moment, it just kind of fades. And some people don't do well in between. They kind of live from mountaintop to mountaintop, and that's fine. But, man, when they bottom out, wow, they really, they really bottom out. Is that you? I mean, do you struggle sometimes between these, you know, these experiences? Do you go through these highs? But, man, when you're low, you are, you are really low. Now, if that's you, I just I want to say don't, you know, don't beat yourself up at all. There's just some growth that you need, you know, uh, when it comes to stability and putting root, you know, in your life. And it's called, you know, it's called discipleship. It's called discipleship. Everybody loves spiritual experiences. They always fade. But some people don't do well from mountaintop to mountaintop. And Peter had one of those experiences. So Peter starts, in Second Peter, he starts telling the story of a spiritual experience that he had. Now, do you remember in the Gospels, the transfiguration? Remember when, when Moses and Elijah came down and, man, God spoke? Now, Peter was there. And he starts, he writes a little bit about this spiritual experience. He says in Second, Second Peter 1, he says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We received honor and glory from God 
when the voice came to him from majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then he says, We heard this voice that came from heaven. We heard it ourselves. Now listen, I don't know what you've been through in your life. Probably you can't compare with that. I mean, seeing Moses and Elijah, hearing the voice of God, seeing, you know, hearing that voice as he, as he brings favor upon Jesus. So Peter writes this about as, as a spiritual experience, but the next sentence is really important. He said, but we also have the prophetic message or the scripture as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it. So he's going, yes, there are spiritual highs, and I've had one. But you want something, you want to know something else that can bring passion and that can bring power and that can bring excitement to your life? That is the Word of God as well. He's talking about being rooted and established where we're not going from spiritual high to spiritual high and then we just kind of bottom out in the middle. It's called discipleship, okay? Stability and root. Discipleship is a lifelong pursuit of learning God's Word, living like Christ, being part of a church family, and impacting your world, okay? So those, those wonderful experiences come. I love them. I love them. But we don't want to be like Nehemiah. Man, he's, got, he's on his face, you know, before God one day. And man, you got an idol left, lifted in your life the next day. So we want to, you know, be more steady. We want to be more faithful when it comes to our, our approach to the Lord and then there's just something else that I want to mention really quickly about Nehemiah, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he's basically political in nature, using religion as a way to consolidate his, spirit, his political power. Now listen, there are some good, godly men and women who are in politics today. I thank God for them. We need more of them. You know, if you feel like, man, God may be calling you to public service. We need them. We need, to, we need to pray for them. We need that influence in our government. But I also want to mention that some just use religion to further their political influence and they're not sincere about faith. Okay? We need to be very aware of that. It's just lip service. It's just to show. It's just something that people use for political advantage and we see that here, okay, he's leaning toward religion, trying to have some kind of religious, you know, uh, in, inserting religion into, you know, into public public faith. So we just there's some that that have good hearts, and there's some, man, it's just it's just about the the political calculation. So just want to mention that. Keep going in the story. So remember, they're at a dedication ceremony. They're probably all dressed up, man. They've got the you know, they've got the, the bands and all of that. It's, it's a very kind of official setting and uh, by invitation. And then the announcer starts the dedication service. He, is, he starts the dedication service and here's what he says. Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn and the flute, 
the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship immediately will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Well, that's a really kind introductory remark, right? So, wow. He, he gives instruction on worship, and he gives the penalty if you don't worship. Okay, now we'll come back to that in just a moment, but I want to talk about worship for a moment. Okay, now when we talk, when we use the term worship, we think music, we think singing, but really the, the scriptural definition is kind of much deeper than that. Worship is not just about singing, but probes the heart, probes the priority, priorities of the heart. So worship is not just musical. When we give our worship to something, it, it, it probes priorities. It speaks deeper about our own, our own life. So worship asks, what matters most? All right? Worship asks, what is my top priority? What is in my heart? What are my core allegiances? What would you love so much that you would sacrifice, give, and in some cases die for? So when he said worship this idol, he wasn't just talking musically. He was talking about the allegiance of the heart. And man, listen, those that are in attendance... They're just showing up, you know, they're just, you know, maybe not know exactly what's going on in their life. But now, they have some very quick soul searching to do. They are on the spot when it comes to making some value decisions about their life. You ever been in that kind of place where you had to, you had to make a quick decision? Maybe you weren't even prepared. You didn't even know what was happening, but you got to make a quick value decision about that's where they that's where they find themselves so in a moment music is going to play and they're like wow what's what's happening what's 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 going on now let me just talk to you about idols for a moment let me just talk to you about that all right because there are idols of american culture that we need to watch there are idols of american culture that that we need to keep an eye on and if we're not careful and we're bowing down to these things. They have the allegiance of our heart all the time. The first is possessions. It's possessions. Okay? It's about money. Money. Possessions. What's in my bank account? What's, what's my annual salary? Because my salary empowers me to purchase things. What's in my 401k? And if you have one of those... We know it's been bad shape over the last couple months, okay? But, but it's, it's about money and finance. It's about possessions. It's about homes and cars, the idol of, of possessions that we bow down to. We ask, what's the core of your heart? What are some things that are the most important when we talk about what do we, you know, what do we worship? And, and, and we make poor choices sometimes in these purchases and we say we own these things 
But in actuality, we don't. They own us. It's the idol of, of possession. And we work overtime sometimes. Not just for a few extra dollars, but because we start floating this lifestyle of, of possessions and affluence and wealth, and we start working more than we should to kind of buy into this idol of possessions that in actuality it owns us. We borrow money sometimes to pay for things that we, that we don't need that are out of balance in our budget or our income because we're bowing to that idol of, of possession. And, and even, you know, we start having greed and jealousy. We look around and cannot be satisfied with what we have because the idol of jealousy owns my heart. So I'm, 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 I have jealousy and greed in my life about, you know, about things that I, I don't have. It affects the way that I think. And then, and when all, you know, we, we can always count on the fallback of social media to present an image of affluence that we don't, we don't really have because, listen, one of the idols of American culture is possessions. It's money. It's wealth. It's, it's the appearance of, of affluence. And we've got to be careful because sometimes we give our entire life over in pursuit of those things. The next, the next idol of American culture is power. It's power. Authority. Prominence. Respect. Public acknowledgement of our skills and our gifts and the, the level of, of authority that we have. We keep moving up the ladder and sometimes we are making moral compromises as we move up the ladder because we're secretly bowing down to the idol of power. How everybody perceives me, how important that I am, my, my, my gratification at my own self-achievement. Hey, we see, we see in this story, man, those people are on the spot there. I mean, they've got to make some moral compromises to bow down at the idol of power. Their boss has said, this is what you need to do if you want to be in favor with me. This is the new rule. And I want to tell you, sometimes we are making moral compromises to move up the ladder, the corporate ladder, the ladder of self-achievement. We're bowing down to that idol sometimes, the idol of power, and we don't even think about it. How about... How about the idol of pleasure? The pleasure. There's possessions, power, and pleasure. The three idols of, of, uh, uh, of American culture. Pleasure. Hobbies. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. Everybody needs a little something that they do outside, you know, of their, maybe their family or whatever for enjoyment. But do you know what? Sometimes there's so much time spent on the hobbies that it's not conducive to the family or we spend so much on the hobby that it's an idol to us. It's not just a little getaway, but it becomes part of the lifestyle and it's out of balance of the family budget and it's out of balance of the family time. It's the pursuit of pleasure. There's sensuality and sexuality. 
We live in an American culture that says there's no restraint when it comes in this area. Man, you just do it. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about greed or regret. Don't worry about anything else. Because you can see that on TV all the time. It's the God of, it's the idol of pleasure. Don't worry about regret. Don't worry about tomorrow. You live for the moment and you gratify your body now. That's what we see all the time. Pornography, alcohol, drugs. It's this, this idol of pleasure, of, of making sure that my, my body is satisfied. And I just want to remind you, when it comes to the idol of pleasure, 2 Timothy says, in the last days, you're going to see, and it lists five things. And here's one of the things that he lists. It says, in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Okay? In the last days, you're going to see the idol of pleasure and sensuality and no moral restraint. It's going to be just going to be part of of this everyday life. And you and I, as children of God, we need to watch this idol. We need to watch it. Possessions, power, and pleasure. Now listen to me. Everyone has their altars. What are you bowing to? Everyone's got their allegiances, their core. What are you, what are you bowing to? You're just going along... With the idols that everyone else has? I mean, what are your idols? You're just going along with what everybody else does? Just because it's convenient? Can you see what's building in this moment? You know, just this herd mentality, this crowd mentality. And then, then there's just a time, man, in your own life. Man, that you just got to go, no, my, you know, my life is different. The way I live my life is different. And whether you pat me on the back, that's fine. Or, or whether you discount me as a friend, that's fine. But my allegiance to the Lord, my allegiance is to the Lord. What are your idols? What are you bowing down to? What owns and rules your heart? Pleasure, power, possessions, other things. Let's, let's continue in the story here. So as soon as they heard the sound, they start playing all the music, okay? All nations and the people of every language fell down and they worshipped the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At the time, the astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They went and pointed them out. Always watch the astrologers, okay? They, they went and pointed them out here. And I'll just skip down into, to verse 12. And it said, but there are some Jews, he's saying this, they're saying this to Nebuchadnezzar, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up for them. Now, I want to just say something here. We, we pray for our leaders and we submit when at all possible. But our allegiance is to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Okay? Alright? I mean, I'm, I love my country. I love my nation. There's so much that I appreciate about it. But man, I want to tell you, when, when you see a division come, my, my allegiance is to the Lord. We serve the one true God. And we are faithful. We're faithful to Him. One of the commandments that Jesus taught, one of the first ones is to love God with all your heart. 
That's, that's a primary, you know, a, a, a part of the, the service of God. And we don't compromise in, in this area. So, man, somebody pointed them out. They're not bowing. They're not bowing. Now, there's two things that we see in this passage I just want to bring out to you. Then we're going we're gonna to close. They made them stop worshiping in the way they wanted and start worshiping another way. The government said, the way you, what you have believed and the way you have worshipped is now illegal. Here is now what you will believe and how you will and how you'll worship. All right? Now, I want to just say, uh, wow, I'm, I'm worried about things that I see in our country. Okay? I'm, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about some of the directions that we are headed morally and, and spiritually, you know. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar outlawed certain religious beliefs and practices, okay. You can't do that anymore. But if you want the favor of the government, then here's what you do. And I'm, I'm, I'm concerned in, in areas, you know, that I, uh, that I see divergence and separation between God's word and even the American government that I love, you know, when it, when it comes to issues of life, okay, and being pro-life, our government is wrong. It is cruel. Abortion is cruel. And it is immoral. It is wrong before God, okay? And I, I'm troubled that our government continually over and over and over doubles down on this wrong belief. And I want to tell you, it's going to take us right up to the face of God's judgment if we don't repent and change that, okay? Concerned about the coercive effect if you believe anything different in that particular area. It's, not all, it's already not popular in culture, but I'm worried about, you know, with, by, by government mandate, the definition, the redefinition of marriage and family, what our government did several years ago. I'm just telling you, it's wrong and it's immoral. It's, and it's offense to God's word, okay? And I'm, I'm troubled by that. In culture, if you believe anything differently in these areas, man, you're old-fashioned, you, you know, you, you, you're probably not a person of science or understanding, you know? And I'm also worried about, you know, one day, they kind of tolerate it now, you, but I'm, I'm worried one day that the laws clamp down on what we believe, what the church believes, and what the church practices in this area. I'm concerned. Will I always have the freedom to come in here and preach to you and preach online and mention those, those two topics before you? I'm, I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about religious freedom and religious expression in our country. Will we always have the freedom to come? You see, there, I, just, I think there's a day that our government gives us the choice of the tax-exempt status. You know, if you're going to be tax-exempt, then here's what you say, here's what you preach, and here's what you don't preach. I, th I think that's going to be held over the church one day. You know, and, and if that's the case, then so be it. So be it. We're going to be obedient to the Lord. We're going to preach. We're going to preach God's word. Even in this whole COVID thing, we've tried to be, 
you know, good citizens with decisions we've made for the church. <clears throat> we've tried to go along with federal government and state government and local. And as they have made recommendations, we have followed that because we are thankful for those that are in authority. And as they've kind of loosened, so have we. But you know, in some states, there are different rules for churches than there are for any other thing. Some local pastors are going, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. This, this is wrong. You know, this is wrong. So I'm... I'm concerned about what we see here. You can't practice this anymore. This is outlawed. But here's the new way of belief. Here's the new belief. And here's the new practice. And you better do it. And I'm, I'm worried that we see that. And I'm just telling you, and worship team, you guys can come. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, you are going to see spiritual battle and spiritual warfare against the church. Okay, and and the and the government. I hate I hate to say that, but I just think it's I just think it's headed that way. Okay, so I want to I just want to close. Uh, um, just do a do a time of prayer. I'll finish this next week. I didn't get a chance to I didn't get a chance to finish it. So, well, you know the end of the story, right? So you should know the end of the story. Unless you're not a graduate of Sunday school, then you need to come back next week because I'm gonna blow your mind with what about to happen. Okay, you're not going to believe the end of this story. So, so hey, I just want to pray over you this morning. I want to pray if you're watching, you know, if you're watching online this morning. Do you find yourself kind of living in spiritual highs and lows? Do you feel yourself really bottom out? You know, do you really, do you find yourself, man, I'm, I'm up here and then I'm down here. Just kind of like bipolar spiritually. Well, listen, there's, there's just some things you can do to add some stability in some root. We don't always live up here on the mountain. I've had some great spiritual experiences. You know, I've had some wonderful times of things that I can look back in my life and go, man, that was a powerful time in the Lord, okay? And, and, the, and the euphoria of that fades. But man, you never want to go here. You just kind of, you just kind of want to be steady. Maybe if that's you, if you see lots of peaks and valleys in your life, then there may be some work that you need to do in the area of discipleship and just becoming more stable and learning God's word better. And it's and I'd be glad to, to talk to you about that and pray over that with you. I also want to just talk this morning, you know, uh, like what, what are you worshiping? What's your idol? What's your idol? Love God, love people. Love God, love people. And if we're not careful, there are other idols that set, that set themselves up in our life. Hey, there's nothing wrong with having some money. Nothing wrong with working hard and enjoying the fruit of that. But, man, when it begins to own your heart, you got a problem. Nothing wrong with doing well in business. But, man, if you can't humble yourself to serve God, you got an idol in your life. If you make more money than you never made, but you don't, you don't pay your tithes because you're hoarding, there's an idol set up in your, set up in your life. we gotta, we got to watch those things. Idols of pleasure. Make sure as believers, he's number one. He's number one. Those other things are not terrible. They're just, they just need to be, they just need to be in, in balance. So I just want to pray over you. I want to pray with you online this morning. If you're if you're watching and man, you've got some prayer needs, you can you can direct message there or just put prayer need and one of our moderators they'll be in touch with you kind of privately if you want to just have some prayer this morning and I want to I just want to pray over you the worship team is going to come and and uh, lead in a song here so Lord we just come before you today 
Lord, I just pray over our country. I pray over our government. Lord, I pray for all leaders and authority. I thank you for this wonderful land. I pray for an awakening to take place in our country. Lord, I pray that they'll see the sin of this land. Lord, is, is running us full force into the judgment of God. I pray for humility in our leaders. And I pray, God, that we will humble ourselves before the hand of the Lord. Lord, you don't want to judge this land. Lord, you want there to be an awakening in this land. And Lord, I pray over that today. Lord, I don't wave the white flag over this country. Lord, I pray, God, that we'll turn from our sin. And Lord, that that we'll hear from heaven and you'll bring an unbelievable healing to our land. God, I believe that you can do that. I pray that today. I pray for that. Lord, I pray for those who find themselves, Lord, in many, many peaks and valleys spiritually, the spiritual experiences. But Lord, they, they fall so low. Lord, I pray I pray for just growth, spiritual growth in their life and maturity, Lord, and and, um, more faithfulness in their life. I pray over that. I pray for those that have idols in their life. Lord, they're bowing down. They're serving the godless, lifeless idols of this world. Lord, I pray over them this morning, Lord. I pray for those, Lord God, that you would speak. You would speak to their hearts this morning that you are the one. You are supreme. Just give you thanks, Lord. Just give you thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name, would you stand? Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.